Well, hello and welcome back to Two Kinky Women podcast, where we dish about everything kink. I'm Midnight Lady, and my partner in crime is Mistress Gabrielle. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode five. Um, we hope that you're going to join our email le- newsletter uh, to kinkywomen.com. We'll send you a free downloadable beginner's guide to kinking. Boy, you're going to love it. And uh, throughout our discussion today, if you get the urge to comment or you have a question, please, please, please send us those questions and comments. TKW at to kinkywomen.com and uh, eventually I'm going to stop saying this but right now I'll still say it tkw at two kinkywomen.com and that's a numeric two. Almost all topics we're going to talk about in today's podcast are open for discussion. Nothing is forbidden. Nothing except we will not talk about no children, no animals. Otherwise we're free to go. So today we're going to discuss dungeon disease and do you need the vaccine? Is too much of a good thing uh, bad for you or bad for you? So let's get right into it. So, you know, we use a lot of terms here uh, on the podcast. So this particular term, dungeon disease, let's discuss what that means or what we mean when we say that it's a top or a bottom but we're going to discuss bottoms in particular first where the bottom is so deeply enmeshed in the identity of the role that they lose their balance and perspective in their life they become so enmeshed in being the bottom and going to parties and messaging and trying to make play dates, um, that they lose track of life and what that means in in a work-life, kink-life, family-life balance. And you have to have a balance. You can't go through life just, you know, super, super focused on one thing. You're going to miss out on so much so many other things. And that includes the scene as well. Absolutely. I know that new people who get into the scene, um, I remember very well, you know, when I first joined the public scene. I mean, I had been um, uh, privately in my own life, um, you know, active as it were uh, with my partner. But when I first got came out and saw what the public scene was all about, I will admit Definitely, it captured my imagination. No question about it. And uh, uh, at the time, I really didn't know what dungeon disease was. But uh, I think uh, probably within the first year of my entering the scene, after I went to the first Black Rose in 1997, I think I could have used that vaccine against dungeon disease. It was definitely too much of a good thing. And... um, uh, essentially, what it comes down to is when you're brand new, you're like a kid in a candy store. Whether you're a top, whether you're a bottom. You walk in there, you see all of this candy. Oh, my God. Can you just choose one? Not likely. Yes. It's it's very similar to walking into Baskin-Robbins. They got 31 flavors. 
Are you going to eat all 31 flavors in one day? Of course not. Why? Because that will make you ill. No, you'll get sick from that. You can try maybe a couple of different flavors or you can always come back to the next play party or the next weekend and try again. But what we're, we're describing to you here and, and conversing about here is this lack of moderation, this inability to restrain yourself, um, the, this, this lack of moderation, this restraint, this desperation begets unsafe players because dungeon disease is about the, the mentality that makes them unsafe. The, I have to play at all costs, uh, I have to play, and that mentality makes them unsafe. And it makes them do risky behaviors. And, and this is most commonly seen in the bottom who will play with anyone, anywhere, do anything, no limits, with it in any place, in any activity, just so they can play. And just so they can be the center of attention. Yes. I find in my own experience, uh, now I'm a femme dame, but I have many really good friends um, and people I love who are our bottom submissive slaves. And I find that a lot of the um, uh, bottoms, uh, submissive slaves, who, um, uh, who are victims, let's put it that way, because that's what I consider it, uh, a victim of dungeon disease, essentially to be attention horse. They've got to be the center of attention in any dungeon they're in. They've got to be the center of attention in any party they go to. Uh, and essentially, let, let's, let's face it, as you said, they're so deeply enmeshed and identified in that role that the balance is lost, the perspective is lost. And as you said, people who suffer from dungeon disease are very frequently unsafe players as a bottom or as a top. Yes. These are people who tend not to want to use a safe word, yep. not to um, put the brakes on something that is not working. Uh, these are people who, um, let's, let's just put it out there, who just can't stop themselves from getting themselves into trouble. And we've seen it. Over and over and over again. And, and to the new person, it looks very inviting. It looks like, wow, this person really wants to play with me. And, oh my God, I must be so special because they want to play with me. And it looks great to the beginner. To the more experienced kingster, it, it, it's definitely a sign that they will play with anyone. And let's say their usual play partners are absent at one party or another. They will play with anyone, even someone who they know is an unsafe top or an unsafe player. They will still play with themselves and, and, and with them and put themselves in danger and they know they are putting themselves in danger but they are so addicted to that role they are so addicted to the endorphins the pain the uh humiliation 
whatever it is their experience and their kink is, they will do this, these acts with these people who are unsafe. Um, yeah, well, you know, it, it's understandable. It's an activity um, uh, that is very exciting. It's a lot of people at a play party or at a dungeon who are running around half naked and really seeming to enjoy themselves very much. Or at your an event and the presenter at the event is this famous dominant male who has an incredible reputation as far as you know. And uh, uh, after, after, uh, after the presentation on caning or you know, single tailing or whatever, fire play, whatever it happens to be, wants to play with you. And there's no negotiation, there's no nothing, because you're all of a sudden fascinated and enthralled by this personality. Enamored. Enamored of this personality. And that's where where a a lot of these people are. Male doms, female doms too. It's about personality. And I'm not just picking on men here. I'm not picking on male slaves. I'm not picking on female slaves or subs, and I'm not picking on male doms either. Everybody can be equally, you know... Susceptible. Absolutely. Um, to it. Absolutely. We've all met the beat-me boys, okay? Yeah. Who Who will submit themselves to very extreme play just so that they can play. Right. Um, we also uh, know those... Um, uh, people who are B, or self-called BDSM royalty, mm. okay, who will play because they have to play. They're at an event and they have to show off. So essentially, what are we talking about? We're talking about people who don't know what moderation is. Uh, and it's a mindset of this dominant, let's say, in this particular case, this dominant male who is uh, famous for his single tailing. Uh, And when this mammoth person in the scene, and you're new in the scene, and this mammoth person in the scene comes over and wants to play with you, you think it's because you possess something that is special and wonderful and the chemistry and energy and he is attracted to you and you're just through the moon that this guy this famous dude is is paying attention to you but really as as you become more knowledgeable in the scene and learn we aren't aren't different from any other cultural group of people you begin to learn things you find out that you could have been anybody. And if you weren't available, he would have went down the next person in the line. You find this also in people who um, put themselves up to be demo bottoms yeah. at events. Okay, uh, One particular person I'm thinking of right now um, has had his ass done by so many femdoms that I'm amazed he has an ass left, mm-hmm. frankly. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me um, that this is his need for attention. So desperate. And, and to and be um, um, so, so caught up yes. in the idea that he has to experience every woman with a strap on at an event. I mean, what is that telling you? 
I think that's an unsafe player, number yes. one. But number two, there's a lot of other things wrong there as well. I mean, talk about an addiction. Moderation yes. versus an addiction. Talk about an addiction. So when you see some of these demo bottoms and you say to yourself, gee, every, every event I've gone to, this guy's doing every single anal play um, yes. presentation there is. You know, what's his problem? And, and, it makes problem. You, and it makes you look at that, that, and you're like, whoa, wow, that's, uh, that's a lot. That's too much. That's too much. Uh, now, of course, my too much and your too much and someone else's too much is, is going to be vastly different. Yeah. But there is a certain level of, okay, that's too much that it can be agreed upon by a great num- number of people. And what the and another thing that makes this type of in this case bottom, we will we will get to the tops and discuss it cuz it's a different dynamic for the tops. Right. Yeah, it Similar, is. Similar but d- still yeah. different. Mm-hmm. They are so hyper-focused and desperate on getting the play that they ignore and disregard the cultural norms and, and scene etiquette that, that we live by in this culture, in this society. Um, and those cultural norms are, if, if, someone's, if you ask to play with someone and they say no to you, he will come back 30 minutes later. Want to play? Mm-hmm. Want to play now? Right. I'm I'm free. Right. You want to play now? I'm free. And you just a half an hour ago said no, thank you. Now you're saying no, thank you again. And he doesn't take no for an answer. He, and then so he'll send you an email. You know, before the before the party's even over, he wants to play. Can we play next time? I'm like, dude, we're not even done playing this time. You know, like he is so not in this moment and experiencing and enjoying. He is already planning his next play date. And that could be 20 minutes from now or next week or next month. He's already like, and, and it's very off-putting. And, it, and it, that happened to me just recently. And I was like, well... Okay then, I, I I I have now more information about who you are, and that worries me, and that makes me not. Wa- that makes me want to not play with you now. <laughs> but let's finish the scene so it uh, it's not abrupt. In in the stopping and the abruptness of the stopping. Uh, because you don't need to stop the scene for that kind of thing, but it is information about that person that we are, I am now have. Right. So it's very unattractive. It's, it's, it's very yes. unattractive in a bottom. It's very unattractive in a top. It's just very so unattractive. Speaking of yeah. tops, yes. let's let's flip that coin. Okay. And let's talk about tops that we've seen and situations that we've seen where. The top is being unsafe and risky and um, not treating the bottom 
in a safe manner. So, yeah. and I know that we have referenced the the um, Baroness. Yes, we have many, we many. Have. You know, we have, and and there's good reason for that because uh, what we saw in terms of uh, her uh, bullwhip scene years ago at Black Rose will stick in my mind forever, and I know it'll stick in yours. Yes, and we just spoke with a mutual friend this morning and mentioned her and boy she was right there away. too and she saw it she immediately recognized and this is and this is 20 years about. ago that's right that's right and again this is somebody who wants to put themselves up as bds and m royalty runs a business that is kink related and or could be considered kink related i should say and wants to be the center of attention and this is a woman who doesn't know when to stop and when yeah. you've got particularly a newbie or somebody who doesn't have real experience in the scene. And someone like she comes to you and says, I want to whip you in public at a big event and starts the scene and there is a crowd of 50 people watching this. And she is just flying high, but you... Who cares about you? She doesn't care about you. She doesn't know when to stop. Safe words are disregarded. You know, can a top have a safe word? Absolutely. Absolutely. A top say to a bottom, I think you've had enough. And you can say that in a very hot way. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then you can continue this scene in more of a verbal or an oral, and I don't mean O-R-A-L, more of a, an oral touch to it i mean you could go on for a while with somebody just by saying the right things so why shouldn't the top have a safe word well this woman didn't know what the word safe word was speaking of other women because i don't want to sound like i'm anti-male dom although sometimes they deserve to be thought of in that regard um there are women who are femdoms, who think that it is critical for them to be a bitch. Okay? Because the way they're going to get attention, and the way they're going to get attention in the scene, is to be the nastiest piece of work that walked in the door. Okay? And that means not only do they dress the part, generally speaking they do, not always, but boy oh boy. They have a demeanor. They have a demeanor, they have an attitude, they have a sense of entitlement, right. which is so damn attractive. Now, there are a lot of male dominants who have that thing. same thing, that sense of entitlement. Here I am, and you should be glad that I'm even looking at you, much less want to play with you. Yeah. And if you have the temerity to ask about safe words in negotiation, I'm going to look at you like you are... What? What planet did you just come off of? Right. I'm a star. Who am I? I'm, and you dare to tell me that you have a safe word? Right. right. So this particular occasion, uh, the uh, Baroness um, had started a scene with someone who I was friends with at the time. And we've talked about this in yes. previous podcasts. Yeah, so we will not harp uh, on the story but as much. But it shows but the, how much it impressed us. But the but or impressed the, upon us. What we want to talk about is not so much the scene itself, but the ramifications and the roles that each one of them took, and the mistakes that we feel were made by both the 
Baroness and the bottom. And by extension, anybody who was watching and that scene. And anyone who was, yes, who was watching the scene. So basically, he consented to be bullwhipped, and she commenced with the bullwhipping, and she broke his skin, not once, not twice. She broke his skin dozens of times on his back to the point where he was bleeding. And no one stopped the scene. No one, uh, as far as I know, no one reported the scene. It was in its completion. And I knew him. I, I was friends with him, close friends with him. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, did you consent to that? And he said, well, I consented to be whipped. I did not anticipate that she was going to bloody my back and and tear up my back. And I said, why didn't you stop it? He said, I was too far gone. I was too deep, too far gone. And my sense of this situation was that not that sense of it, but what I would have done in if I were the Baroness in that situation, I would have said after that first time I broke skin, I would have stopped. I would have come up to him in that sexy way you mentioned. And I would elicit how he was doing in this sexy way that doesn't interrupt the scene, elicit from him, I'm sorry, something unexpected happened. We understand risk. Something unexpected happened. I did break the skin. Are you okay with that? Are you? Shall we back up and do a little bit less? Uh, is that something you are want? To continue, I want to make sure I'm checking in with my bottom. She did not do any of no, she that. Didn't. And you know she what? She didn't else? even blink. No, she didn't. Because she wanted to be the most badass bitch in the room. Yes. Which at that moment in time she was. But I do want to yes. indicate that after that, a lot of us were talking about it. A good deal of us were talking about it. The word really went out. And yeah. uh, this, this happened in Washington, D.C. And uh, it was all over New York groups by uh, 24 hours later. No question about it. But moderation was not a word in her vocabulary. And she wanted to be a real bitch. Here's the other thing about that. Sometimes the dungeon monitors are intimidated mm, by the big bad doms yes. who suffer from dungeon disease. And the famous people. That's right. And instead of coming up and saying, you know, uh, blood is flying all over the place here. And you got an audience. And of course, she was performing for the audience. That's another thing with, uh, that, that people who suffer from dungeon disease do. Uh, they do perform for an audience, never mind who it is they're playing with. Um, blood was flying around. And no dungeon monitor came up and said, let's move over to a safe space or let me um, cordon, uh, off. cordon it off or ask people to move out of the range. area, out of range, whatever it happened to be. So... So dungeon monitors can be affected by BDS royalty who practice under the uh, the the symptoms of dungeon yeah. disease. It's like as very well. similar to those fancy restaurants that have private tables, and Mister Jones walks in and 
Nobody messes with Mr. Jones. Nobody sits in Mr. Jones's table. Right. It could be a packed restaurant and that table stays empty because Mr. Jones shows up (laughs) and no one is going to tell Mr. Jones, I'm sorry, we're out of the crab cakes. You're going to go to the store and you're going to buy more crab cakes and you're going to bring them back. Right. So that is the, you know, even the... Dungeon monitors get intimidated by the famous people because nobody wants to piss off the the royalty. Nobody That's wants really to piss true. off the famous people. And and we're going to talk more about um, dungeon etiquette and what goes on in a dungeon when we talk um, um, about um, uh, what it's like to go to an event mm-hmm. and planning for an event and who shows up at an event and everything. But a lot of times dungeon monitors are not very experienced. And really don't know yeah. how to stop a scene. So what ends up happening is that a lot of times just the onlookers or other players that are around need to go to the dungeon and monitor report. and say, hey, I think you need to take a really good look at this particular scene. Which brings me to another example of extreme playing uh, which had absolutely no idea whatsoever of moderation. And this, uh, of course, is um, uh, something that was very disturbing at the time. I was not there to, to, to see it, but several of my friends were. And um, that was when a dear friend of mine who was an extremely heavy bottom, and let me say at this particular point, a really heavy bottom can be a real heavy bottom, can engage in edge play, can do blood play, can get beaten to a pulp. If that's what they want and the other person is agreeable, okay, and consenting, consenting, and you've already uh, mentioned to the dungeon monitors, either in a private party or in a big event that blood is going to be or whatever i'm not saying you cannot play heavy okay however there are constraints and this particular gal who is a very dear friend of mine was not using her head but as an attention whore it's difficult to use your head when you're performing and that's what she was doing she was performing with three men who were beating the daylights out of her And the issue was this. She had just come out of very serious abdominal surgery six weeks earlier and had no right to be playing the way she was playing. And it was extremely upsetting to my friend who talked about it this morning on the phone with us because I wanted to chat about this subject. And it was extremely disturbing to other of my friends who were sitting with her and watching it. So why didn't they stop the scene? Well, guess what? They did. One of my girlfriends did. She actually tried to get a dungeon monitor to stop the scene, and the dungeon monitor would not do that. Mm. The dungeon monitor knew uh, my girlfriend who was being, um, I'm going to use this word, abused, and uh, said, no, she could take it, but the dungeon monitor did not know that she was six weeks out of abdominal surgery and was being slammed on all parts of her body. And here's the thing. She'd pass out. They'd put her on the floor. They'd wait for her to come to and do it again. Don't tell me that that was safe, sane, consensual. Don't tell me that was rack, risk-aware, consensual kink. That was just ridiculous. The whole thing was just a travesty. So my girlfriend went and stopped the scene, and she said, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. All three of you, all three of you who have such reputations in the scene and a severe case 
of dungeon disease. Yes. All three of you who think the world starts and stops inside of a dungeon should all be ashamed of yourselves. This woman just came out of surgery. She is not capable of informed consent. Stop. And, and story short, this, this is not something that we're sitting here pointing fingers. Right. Uh, and I'm going to share, because we're straight shooters here, mm-hmm. I'm going to share. I just recently experienced a little bit of dungeon disease myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the scene almost 25 years. Yeah. My husband and I were playing. It's a hot scene, super hot scene. Um. I was uh, having my clamped nipples caned and my clitoris caned and my sex caned. Um, and just maybe an hour earlier in the evening, I had met these two gorgeous women who I, I had instantly had a crush on. Gorgeous. And so we, we played. And my This hus- was a gay couple? Yes. The women? Uh-huh. The women, yes. And... My husband and I, we we play for each other, but we also mm-hmm. have a natural energy about us, a natural chemistry that sometimes, yes, we put on a show. We don't put on a show for people. We don't, our intent is not to put on a show. Um, but we have, you know, we, we have been told that, that we are wonderful to watch. Anyway, so I'm riding the sub high completely riding that sub high enjoying every moment of it and uh, through my training I I am allowed to ask for things in a respectful manner to my sir during play and I said I want to play with those women so bad can you ask them to come over and play with me and he had he did his job he saw that I was not in my right mind and he put the brakes on it. But he did it in a very respectful way. My love. We have not negotiated that. We have not discussed that. I don't think that that would be a good and wise choice to make at this moment. And he used his sir voice um, while he whispered that to me in my ear. I was so deep, and I can understand how my friend was so deep that he did not acknowledge that that she was ripping his back. I was so deep that I was not thinking through the consensualness that we like to do with every scene. But you also had a very responsible top. My top was exceedingly responsible. and, And he said to me, just because I'm not going to ask them this time doesn't mean I won't ask them in the future. Um, so, and because I know without a shadow of a doubt, without a doubt in my mind, that he always 100% has my best interests at heart. There have been times when I've been paddled. I'm a huge paddling horde. There have been times when I have been paddled and I'm like, more, 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 more. And he's like, no, you're done. No, please. And he gets a sternness in his voice. I'm telling you, you are done. And I know 
that even though I want more, even though I am addicted and I am going into the risky behavior area, that risk area, I know that he has his best, my best interest at heart and that I need to listen to him and stand down. And that's, that's what we're looking for in this scene. We're looking yes. for safe play. And again, I want to emphasize, I'm not against heavy play. I'm not against edge play. I've done some in my own life. Let's face it. That's not my preferred way to play, but mm -hmm. I've done it. Okay. I've done it plenty of times. I've done it in public. I had a beat me boy that was, well, uh, I, I don't know how to really describe him other than to say that, um, I don't even know how to describe him. Well, how would you describe Tom? Oh, Tom. Yeah, Tom, Tom was, um, I think he, he wasn't so much a beat me boy. He loved the pain, but he was a tell him what to do boy. Yeah. And yeah. when you told him what to do, yeah. he followed it to the letter. Right. That the building could have been burning down around him. And if you told him to stand there and pee on the fire until it went out, like he would do it. Yeah. Yeah. He would do it. Yeah. He was so enmeshed in in the role right. that he did not you know, we we bring up when we talk about Tom, we bring up this particular party that we had gone to <laughs> that had gotten raided by the police. Never forget it. Got raided by the police. And there's Tom in a hood and a leather G-string. His mistress said, stand there. I'll be back. <laughs> the police came in and... He stood there. <laughs> he And they went up to him and they questioned him and he did not speak not one word. Not one word. And then his mistress came, you know, came up to him later and said, what did the police say? He said, well, they kept asking me questions, but I didn't say anything, mistress. I didn't say anything. To, you know. And so I think Tom, while Tom loved the pain, he also was completely submissive to the point of his own detriment. Right. It really was. He was. So he needed a responsible talk. But yes. in his experience, because he was an equal opportunity player, needless to say, in his experience, he did play with quite a few players who were victims of that awful dungeon disease. Yes. And uh, they they went overboard. Even with somebody like him, they went overboard. There's no question about it. They did because he so wanted to um, obey yes. and be the um, the pain slut that they obviously wanted, that he was willing to risk his health yes. to get there. So again, the top has an obligation. And risk being arrested. Right. Because he was not cooperating. Right. Um, but he's he was an ex-law uh, enforcement officer, and he knew he didn't have to open his mouth that once and not move. <laughs> and then I said to him, well, why didn't you put on your clothes or something? He said, because you told, told me, me to stay here. And I did. So there you go. But in any event, there again is the need for a responsible dom. And when we have these these folks who are, you know, under the thrall of that dungeon disease malady, um, they forget that they have that responsibility. And that responsibility is very serious. Now, there are other people who can have dungeon disease too. I don't necessarily mean people who are going to beat the shit out of other people. Those are the only people who can suffer from it. But you can even talk about sissy maids 
who have severe dungeon disease. They've got to show up at every single munch, every single party, every single everything, even events where vanilla clothing is requested. They gotta show up in full ensemble. Now, I think we should also mention again how we feel that this sort of behavior is addictive. Right. And there is an addictive quality to it. it. There's an addictive mentality, addictive quality to it. The the use of stimulants to manage the addiction, the the alcohol, the drugs, the ex, you know, all of that. Um, Speaking of your sissy maid that was... I am familiar with someone uh, who... Could not get into his sissy maid outfit un- unless he was plastered. Right. Plastered drunk. Right. And then would come right. to the party drunk. Right. Get into his shtick, his role as the sissy maid, and then drink some more to f- to keep the courage up to 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 be. And he was flamboyant. I loved him, though. He was such a cutie. Um, but there's always alcohol on his breath. Right. And he needed the alcohol right. to drink. Right. He, needed, he needed it to be able to be the sissy that he wanted to be. Right. And he was an attention whore. Yeah. And he was... Uh, um, and so I always worried. I used to worry about him a lot because he was such a sweetheart in his regular masculine role. And I was worried that, that all this drinking that he was doing was allowing him to be the sissy maid that he so desperately wanted to be but couldn't get there on his own. I was so worried that he was not going to be making good choices when he was drunk, which is another reason why we don't like alcohol at events because it, it makes it harder for you to make reasonable, risk-aware decisions. And if you're bottoming and you're half drunk or you're plastered already, it's even, and then you have subspace on top of your alcohol uh, inebriation. And then somebody with uh, dungeon disease uh, is, walks by, that person is a victim. So, it, you know, it's, it's so, and it's, and it's not just famous people. It's everybody. Yeah. I've, I've gotten it. I've managed it. Yeah. But see, the difference between myself and you and other people is that we were able to look at ourselves, recognize it in ourselves, and make the according, uh, 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 make the adjustments, make the changes, making, bringing moderation back in, bringing um, the balance back in. We were able to make those changes. The problem is, is when you see these people and they're like that for the life of however long you know them. Right. And the thing is, too, uh, there's more to life than the scene. I mean, I find it, uh, find that in my life, um, uh, the scene has a uh, has a place. Uh, I love the place. I'm not going to tell you I don't love the place. I do love the place. Um, I have 
most of my friends, I would say 99% of my friends are seeing friends, people I've known for many years, such as mm -hmm. yourself. Um, and the woman I spoke with earlier this morning on the telephone, we've known each other for over 20 years. And it's a wonderful thing. It really is. The scene is a big part of my life, but I'm not, my, my life, my business is not the scene. Now, is there a reason why you should be in it all the time to the, say, the exclusion of any other part of your life? Yeah, it's your business. You make your living out of it, whatever it happens to be. And you have to be focused and you have to be focused on it. But you're not just playing and you're not just the star of the show and you're not just going out there to get more and more attention so you can have more and more attention so you can get more and more attention. It's not that kind of a thing. I think the analogy is kind of like a job that you're so into that the rest of your life suffers. So it's like, you know, don't be so busy um, working your job that you forget to have a life. Life is a lot more than mm -hmm. the scene. It can color yes. everything that you do because who you are if you're an authentic person, does color everything that you do. But you've got a job, you've got parents, you've got relatives, you have maybe a spouse, you have children, you have yeah. neighbors, um, you have volunteering opportunities, uh, you have civic engagement. There's lots of things going on in the world. And to the exclusion of everything else, to be just involved in the scene, unless this is your, your the way you earn a living, okay, even if it is the way you you're still are it's still going to be balanced. There's You've got still to have be, balance. There's still going to be moments where you're going to call up a friend and say, "Hey, this new movie's coming out. You want to go with me?" I hope so. You know, and it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. No, it, it was <laughs> something completely different. It was a right. horror movie, right? You know, or right. hey, they're having a, a, a you know a sale at Neiman Marcus. Do you want to go with me? You know that. That's what we're asking for. Yeah, it don't is get so involved in making a scene balance. life that you forget to make a life. Yeah. And that 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 is that's that's the reality. And a lot of new people, you know, look, it captures your imagination. It captured my imagination too. It really did. But I was still cognizant of the fact that I had a job, uh -huh. that I had a child, that I had a spouse, uh, that I had uh, parents, one one of whom was very ill at the time, um, all those kinds of things. I mean, moderation is really the key. I think it's the key to a successful life. And unfortunately, um, because I think we are such an incredibly accepting community, I mean, everybody is welcome. Your kink's okay, my kink's okay. Incredibly welcome as a community, okay? Um, unless there's something very wrong with you, which is noticeable right away, um, we welcome everybody into the community. We are extremely accepting. And for some people, this is the first time they have ever had that in their yes. life. And yes. then they fall in love with it, with the concept, their imagination is captured, and nothing is off the table. And so my feeling is don't let that be you. I mean, if you have to take a dose of the vaccine for your dungeon disease, your potential dungeon disease, um, recognize the fact that there is too much of a good thing and it's not good for you. Yes, so. I, I, I think that you have to be open to that possibility, though. You have to be open to looking at yourself. 
and your own behavior and then changing accordingly and making uh and i don't think the baroness was open to that right i I think she was completely closed to even the thought that she might be doing something unsafe or or risky or you know so it's that's what i'm saying it's hard i get it it's super hard to look at yourself and but i feel like when you do that though when you're open to those sorts of changes you grow as people you grow as an individual and you become richer in your life when you allow for those changes it's true but it's hard for people to get there and and that opens up another part of uh of the conversation which we're going to follow up with in another podcast um within the next couple of uh, podcasts that we have uh, scheduled after this one, which is using the scene as um, therapy. This is not the way to operate in the scene either. When we talk about people who have such a humongous need for attention to be the the end-all, the be-all and the end-all in the scene, to use the scene as therapy is definitely a way to get yourself in big, big trouble. Yeah. And um, um, that's a problem. That's a problem for a lot of people. And you and I, and anybody who's been around for a while, know those people. Yep. And they may be some of the people who have dungeon disease. But, as I said before, too much of any good thing is not good. Yeah. And um, I think we should all, as we go about our scene lives, remember that. That too much so I think, thing is not good. Yeah, so I think in closing, the things that you want to look for and the things you want to keep an eye out for is um, risky, unsafe behavior uh, uh, perpetrated by an individual. Uh, you want to understand that um, there is some level of an addictive quality there. Or they are looking to do, you know, have this therapeutic experience. Um, or you can ask your friends for references. Have you played with this person? Yes. Do you know people who have played with this person? Tell me a little bit about it. Yes, and, and we, do, we do talk. We do yeah, talk. People talk. And it's okay to look at yourself and say, you know what? I probably didn't handle that the best way. Let me think maybe if there's another way I could have handled that for next time. Uh, and so we just are so thankful that you're here listening to us kvetch and talk about these things. Uh, that are Name s- names. So, you know, so important to have these conversations and have these discussions. And we're not just sitting here talking about fluff and how great the scene is, you know, because... There's challenges. There's there's highs and lows and pitfalls. And, and we just want to be able to have these conversations with people and, and give people some things to think about and, and talk about. And we want about. to hear what you have to say. And we want to hear. We want questions. So if, you, if there is something Comments. that you heard tonight that you want to talk more about or you have a question because we weren't clear, uh, please reach out to us at T-K-W at 
to kinkywomen.com. Questions, comments, anything, suggestions. Yes. We want to hear from you. And you can listen to us each month on multiple podcast players and our homepage. We can listen on our homepage. And when you go to the homepage, you can get your free downloadable infographic each month. Yes. Each month is a new infographic. Read the blog. Read about what we talked about. And download that month's infographic because we're all about the education here. We want to give back to the community that has given us so much. So you can find that homepage at twokinkywomenpodcast.com. That's the numeric two, twokinkywomenpodcast.com. We want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We are two two kinky kinky women. women. And we want you to be kinky too. Thanks for listening. We see will you next time. See you next time.